0: There are seemingly endless speculations and theories regarding what happened and who was responsible for the mass murder on September 11, 2001. My guest today cares nothing for that. He and 3,000 other architects and engineers are presenting the scientific facts regarding the pulverization of the three World Trade Center skyscrapers.
1: When people really get this information, they agree, but then they have to go through a a period of readjustment. I mean, this messes with your worldview. If the evidence we're going to talk about today is true, and it is, uh, that implies that there are much deeper, darker, sinister forces at large and in control in our society that could pull this off and get away with it.
0: He's Richard Gage, AIA, the founder of Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth. It's time for Progressive Spirit. Stay with us. You're listening to the podcast version of Progressive Spirit. If you enjoy the show, please go to iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, Podomatic, TuneIn, or whatever podcast app you use to listen and give Progressive Spirit five stars, won't you? Contact me through ProgressiveSpirit.net with your thoughts and ideas about the show, and be sure to share this podcast on your social media. Follow on Facebook and Twitter, the website again is ProgressiveSpirit.net. Uh, here's one of the guys you can tell you I'm okay, all right? Here, hold on. You want to call, you call your mother or something? You heard explosions. Like, boom We just heard one more explosion. That's about the fourth one we've heard. What was Building 7, and why is it important uh, in 9-11?
1: This is a 47-story skyscraper that wasn't hit by an airplane. Uh, Is part of the World Trade Center complex, and yet it went down uh, after witnesses hear explosions at 5.20 in the afternoon. It drops like a rock straight down uniformly, symmetrically, into its own footprint in the exact manner of a classic controlled demolition, just like the old hotels in Las Vegas this is in under 7 seconds so they had a real hard time explaining this well they tried to avoid it i mean the the american public has not seen the collapse of this building on tv with about 3 exceptions in 16 years so and and, and most architects sh- should this should be the most studied building failure in history and <laughs> yet yeah, most of them don't even know about it uh, it's it's amazing it just wasn't presented to them by the American Institute of Architects the American Society of Civil Engineers it is uh really quite uh, quite the cover up
0: for the Pacifica radio network PRX the public radio exchange and from the studios of KBOO in Portland Oregon this is progressive spirit progressivespirit.net i'm john shuck this is the 6th in my series on 911 i'm bringing you The best. Scientists, scholars, intellectuals, and researchers regarding the murderous and horrific events of September 11, 2001. I bring the guests. They bring the information. You decide. I began this series with psychotherapist Francis Schur, who is writing a series of articles entitled, Why Do Good People Become Silent or Worse About 9-11? We talked about the psychological blocks that keep us from information that shakes our worldview. I've also spoken with David Ray Griffin about his book, Bush and Cheney, How They Ruined America and the World. He details the lies that we all know were told by the Bush administration in leading the U.S. to a global war on terror, and all that has resulted, including warrantless spying, killer drones, torture, Islamophobia, and the toppling of governments. Dr. Niels Herrett was also in my 9-11 series to discuss the chemistry and physics of the collapse of the three World Trade Center skyscrapers. He is retired associate professor of chemistry at the University of Copenhagen and the first author of Active Thermitic Material Observed in Dust from the 9-11 World Trade Center Catastrophe. We discussed the thermite, thermate, and nanothermite discovered in the dust of the World Trade Center towers, his evaluation of the reports released by the National Institute of Standards and Technology, NIST, and the work of the 9-11 Consensus Panel. I also spoke with Graham McQueen, who is the author of the 2001 Anthrax Deception, the case for a domestic conspiracy. In his book, he provided evidence that the Anthrax attacks and the 9-11 attacks, both of which scared the American people into war, were carried out by the same people, people highly placed in the U.S. government. I also spoke with David Chandler, the high school physics teacher who made NIST, the National Institute of Standards and Technology, revise their report, on the destruction of World Trade Center Building 7, a 47-story building that collapsed in the late afternoon of September 11th, 2001. David Chandler showed that Building 7 fell at free fall. That is the acceleration of gravity. All of these podcasts can be heard at ProgressiveSpirit.net. Today is Part 6. My guest is Richard Gage.
1: We don't want to believe that there could have been a controlled demolition because it implies that we've been lied to on a massive scale that we cannot trust our government that we cannot trust the media most people who are confronted with this information have to put it into a box therefore and that box is called conspiracy theory When we're not even talking about theories Uh, Of conspiracy at all. We're we're talking about the physics of a building. We're talking about indisputable, irrefutable evidence that clearly shows that these were controlled demolitions.
0: Richard Gage, AIA, is a San Francisco Bay Area architect and member of the American Institute of Architects. He's the founding member of Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth, Mr. Gage became interested in researching the destruction of the World Trade Center high-rises after hearing 9-11 researcher David Ray Griffin on the radio in 2006. This launched Richard Gage's own unyielding quest for the truth about 9-11. AE-911 Truth now numbers more than 2,900 architects and engineers who demand a new investigation into the destruction of all three World Trade Center high-rise buildings on September 11th. Welcome Mr. Gage to Progressive Spirit.
1: Thank you, John. It's an honor to be here with you.
0: Now, can you tell me a little bit about uh, your background? You you are an architect. Uh, what, what kind of work did you do in architecture?
1: Well, I've worked on so many different types of uh, buildings uh, from uh, early on in my career residential, but to building up to uh, commercial projects, retail, as well as, uh, most recently, a $400 million project in in uh, Las Vegas uh, with six blocks of retail and parking structure and mid-rise office space. Altogether, about 1,200 tons of fireproof steel framing in that development.
0: Are you currently involved in architecture, or are you retired?
1: Um, I am full-time... AE 9-11 Truth, we have got a heck of a job to do. We have 2,000 sustaining supporters who provide us the funds necessary to reach every architect and engineer, the media, government officials, and the public at large to tell them what they don't know. Uh, Most architects and engineers, in fact, don't know anything about the third skyscraper that collapsed on 9-11. So we get all kinds of hand-waving and arguments when we find out people don't even know the most basic facts of what happened on 9-11 in New York.
0: So you uh, heard David Ray Griffin on the radio. Can you tell me uh, what happened then And in, in terms for, for you? Well, what did you think about, for example, uh, the collapse of the World Trade Center towers before you heard that radio interview?
1: I, I was in my apartment condo on... Um, the morning of 9-11, and, and I was just in shock. I'm going, what is going on? First of all, it's a state of shock that we're in when we realize that two planes hit two buildings. It, this is uh, obviously a massive terror attack. I, I saw those buildings come down, and I don't know, it's just a, a state of disbelief. Uh, and then we basically heard from the media that they came down due the pancaking collapses and that's not what we saw with our own eyes, and I didn't see that without my own eyes. But for five years, I, I just put it aside. You know, I didn't. I just tried not to think about it that much, until I heard somebody questioning the official story, uh, and that was David Ray Griffin, who's written now ten books on this subject, uh, trying to to wake people up, and I. I assembled this information after hearing that radio interview and listening to him because he was at the Grand Lake Theater in Oakland. And I was just, I, I went to hear him, but it was sold out. There were 600 people uh, already in that theater by the time I got there. It was amazing. Uh, he was talking about uh, explosions, the, the 156 firefighters that are on a record with the uh, with the fire department in an oral recording talking about seeing hearing explosions, seeing flashes of light uh, at, at the onset of the destruction of both of these towers. And, and also um, many witnesses at the onset of the destruction of the third tower, World Trade Center seven. So I was listening to this radio driving my van around. And I thought this is incredible. I would have heard about this not right now, if it were true, if there was a third tower that came down, for instance, also, so I pulled my van over, I listened to this, I was in shock. I spent the next two months researching this to debunk it, and by God, uh, it, all the pieces began to fall together. I went through cognitive dissonance, meaning uh, if this if this were true, that these towers were destroyed on purpose with controlled demolition, then, then I have got to awaken the world about this, because I knew most architects and engineers were completely unaware. So I put together a presentation based on the work of Stephen Jones. I went to the firm that I was working for at the time in Walnut Creek, California, and I uh, bought them pizza. I made them all come in <laughs> and watch this, and every one of them, uh, who, who most of them were uh, kind of ridiculing me as I was going through my research phase of this and talking to them on the side at the water cooler and so forth, but all of them agreed with me at the end of this 45-minute presentation. Oh my God, you're right. These are controlled demolitions. And they signed our petition. That's when we had 16 architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth. And now we have almost 3,000.
0: So when you go and talk to architects and are able to, are able to have them actually look at the film, uh, do almost all of them eventually realize uh, what's right in front of their eyes? Or, or, is there, or is that cognitive dissonance that you experience still so great that they don't want to go there?
1: Well, I didn't have a half hour or hour or two hour presentation uh, when, uh, when I had my cognitive dissonance um, until I heard David Ray Griffin. And then I came around. But every audience, and we've done more than 600 presentations now in a couple of dozen countries and uh, more than 100 American cities. All of the audience typically ends up agreeing with us. Those who didn't before end up agreeing with us. Uh, sometimes there's one or two, or, or or six in a very large group uh, that that don't. But uh it's it's an amazing uh if you will conversion rate because i do a show of hands you know before and after and it it is incredible the uh the, when people really get this information they agree but then they have to go through a a period of readjustment i mean this messes with your world view if the evidence we're going to talk about today is true and it is Uh, that implies that there are much deeper, darker, sinister forces at large and in control in our society that could pull this off and get away with it for the most part. Uh, And uh, that's a huge, huge, huge problem for our society uh, here. And that's what uh, really began to shake me to my core.
0: Richard Gage, uh, AIA, is my guest on Progressive Spirit. Uh, he is the uh, coordinator of architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth. So let's, you, you mentioned uh, at the beginning of the interview Building 7. Let's talk about that. What, what was Building 7, and why is it important uh, in
1: 9-11? Well, th- this is a 47-story skyscraper that wasn't hit by an airplane. It's uh, part of the World Trade Center complex and yet it went down uh, after witnesses hear explosions at 5.20 in the afternoon. It drops like a rock straight down, uniformly, symmetrically, into its own footprint in the exact manner of a classic controlled demolition, just like the old hotels in Las Vegas. This is in under seven seconds. So... They had a real hard time explaining this. Well, they tried to avoid it. I mean, the the American public has not seen the collapse of this building on TV with about three exceptions in sixteen years. So, and 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 most architects should this should be the most studied building failure in history. And yet, most of them don't even know about it. Uh, It's it's amazing. It just wasn't presented to them by the American Institute of Architects the American Society of Civil Engineers it is uh, really quite uh, quite the cover-up and finally NIST the National Institute of Standards and Technology who was tasked by Congress to explain the collapses all three of these collapses to the American people they came out and basically said uh, this building came down by normal office fires which is all they could say because that's all there were some fires in these buildings, and and they, but they were few and small and scattered, and even completely engulfing fires of skyscrapers have never brought down over a hundred examples. Uh, we have uh, they not one of them has ever been brought down by fire. So this again should have been the most studied building failure in history, and yet here we are in this state of. You know, uh, it's surreal, really, how how architects uh, could be uh, so unaware. Uh, but top engineers in the uh, American Society of Civil Engineers who were handpicked to have a privately produced, controlled, non-peer-reviewed investigation, uh, and and was missed, uh, ended up. Uh, buffaloing uh all of us in the professions and to not even looking at this the american institute of architects never even put out one bulletin on the 47 story skyscraper collapse uh that it's it's incredible and there's the evidence in the pile of this building of extreme temperatures uh exceeding what uh Fires can even produce, we're talking 2,800-degree temperatures uh, in the pile. Molten iron pouring like lava, they say, molten steel, the first responders say, flowing down the channel rails, uh, like on the I-beams and so forth. There's the evidence uh, in the dust surrounding all the World Trade Center found by the U.S. Geological Survey and R.J. Lee, national uh, large, huge conglomerate of environmental engineers doing independent studies of the dust, finding uh, spherical particles of iron, uh, iron microspheres, the diameter of a human hair, billions and billions of them, comprising up to 6% of all the World Trade Center dust. And they have no idea where they came from, but they said they were formed during the event. Uh, So how do you get molten iron uh, to form into spheres. Well, it has to be under pressure when it's liquid, uh, and it becomes aerosolized under explosive pressures. Well, that's, uh, that's the evidence of thermite, which is an incendiary used by the military to cut through steel like a hot knife through butter. And even FEMA documents the results of just that in their Appendix C of their report which came out in May of 2002 when, when uh, Professor Barnett describes the ends of the beams having been partially evaporated, a hot sulfur corrosion attack on the steel with sulfur. Sulfur is used with thermite. It becomes thermate, much more effective at cutting through steel. So you have evidence like this that just gathers and gathers and gathers, and it's very easily easy to convince an audience Uh, who is assembled, or somebody who, you know, takes the time to look at the landmark DVD documentary that we made, 9-11 Explosive Evidence, Experts Speak Out, where we've assembled 40 high-rise architects, structural engineers, metallurgists, chemists, physicists, controlled demolition experts, to look at all this evidence. In, In terms of the latter, Building 7 comes straight down uniformly, and symmetrically and yet NIST says well this instability started in the northeast corner as a result of thermal expansion causing the failure of a girder uh being pushed off of its seat on this particular column 79 and then there's this instability that travels upward through the building up to the roof from the 12th floor uh because this column didn't uh, have any lateral support after nine floors and then uh, the entire building is gutted from east to west uh, in the 20 or so seconds prior to the overall building then coming down as we see in the videos. but none of that could be true because we would have seen massive crumpling of the building like a beer can as its perimeter structure was pulled in by this instability uh, in on the interior, all the way up to the roof, and and then uh, that 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 couldn't have happened because what we actually see in the videos is the main penthouse and the and the uh, screen wall drop a half a second prior to the uniformly it just drops a half a second prior to the overall building collapse, indicating that the core columns were taken out first. The only way to bring a building down symmetrically. Is to remove all the columns virtually at once, starting with the core, and that's what typical controlled demolitions do. And then that pulls the outside of the building in on top of it. So it's a classic case of controlled demolition.
0: And uh, and the smoking gun, in a sense, is the the fact that it falls at free fall acceleration for two over two seconds. I mean, is it, at one See, level, isn't that kind of the, the bottom line?
1: It, it is. Uh, in terms of the physics, everybody has their favorite piece of evidence that physicists realized that in order for this building to fall as fast as a bowling ball falling out of the sky, it has to have no resistance. Well, there was 40,000 tons of structural steel resistance in this building Uh, three to five times stronger than it ever needed to be to hold the building up. And all of a sudden, it's all gone, floor by floor at least, starting with about the, the, well, down below, uh, there's eight floors that are just somehow, all of a sudden, missing. Well, fire doesn't do that to buildings. When fire destroys a building and never has it destroyed a skyscraper, uh, it goes in stages. It's chaotic. It's asymmetrical. Uh, the building would fall, you know, if it falls at all, it'll fall over and not straight down through the path of greatest resistance The so thousands of tons of structure as if it weren't even there. No, that's what controlled demolitions do.
0: Yeah. And now, uh, and, and, and in a sense, you mentioned the military part of it, uh, because uh, people who were just going to take down a building for construction purposes might not have done it like that, right? Uh, th- this is military-grade type of destruction. Well,
1: um, I think I think they would have done it exactly like that, but they wouldn't have used the materials that were used in this case. You see, it had they used the normal high-energy explosives like C4 and RDX and shaped cutter charges, uh, that, those provide a, a huge audio signature, a blast, and visual signatures, uh, flashes of light. Well, that would have been too obvious. Ah. So the, the use of thermite, which destroys by means of heat as opposed to uh, uh, force, which creates incredible sounds and flashes, Uh, Thermite would be a much lower, uh, you'd be able to get away with it easier, but it would leave behind all this molten metal, which we have all of this evidence for, very well documented, even in FEMA's original report. But when NIST took over that investigation in 2002, they threw out that uh, detailed metallurgical examination of the steel that was so well done in Appendix C of the FEMA report. And we have no evidence now in the final report of temperatures exceeding uh, the, 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 by a factor of three or four the temperatures associated with office fires.
0: Richard Gage is my guest on Progressive Spirit. He is an architect in the San Francisco Bay Area uh, and the uh, leader of Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth. Now, there were some forewarnings about Building 7, right? People knew uh, that there was evidence about it coming down uh, in advance.
1: Yes. We're told by FEMA, first of all, uh, and, and NIST, that there were no firefighting efforts going on in the building. Uh, and the, the, the reason it, that was put out is that it had structural damage and they were concerned about a collapse. Well, if it had structural damage and they were concerned about a collapse, this 47-story building would have been a much greater danger of falling over uh, it, with, to the side of its injury or damage. Um, that, uh, of course, never happened. Um, we also have... Uh, an engineer whom we can't get the name of, but he apparently told uh, one of the fire chiefs that the building uh, in its current state has about five hours to live. (laughs) And sure enough, five hours later, after witnesses hear explosions, the building drops straight down uniformly, symmetrically into its own footprint.
0: So what does that mean 5 hours to live obviously that is uh, what some information somewhere i mean obviously no engineer could really say that from an engineering perspective
1: well no because especially since no high rise has ever right. collapsed due to fire so how can you predict the first one uh, <laughs> with such and with such certainty uh, it, it 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 it's based it uh, can only be based on inside information
0: So you have gone and talked, uh, as you mentioned, 600 uh, different um, seminars talking about this. You've you've also spoken at the American Institute of Architects. What what has been their response?
1: The rank and file gets it. We have 200 AIA members among our petition signers. We've been going to conferences for for over a dozen years, presenting the evidence in an evidence booth to large conferences, We have had a resolution, though, calling for a new investigation, which you've had difficulty getting traction on, because um, the board uh, is avoiding this issue uh, with going to the extent of actually lying in front of its members about some of the most basic facts about the building and, and about what NIST has said or hasn't said, uh, about its destruction, uh, so we, we have a very interesting situation. So the the traction is is not gain. We're not gaining ground in the leadership of the AIA. That's for sure. Uh, but we still uh, approach members. We still have our course. Interestingly enough, approved by the AIA for uh, credits, continuing education credits for its membership. Uh, That course is called 9-11, an architect's guide, and that is available in many different forms on YouTube that people, uh, architects and engineers among our audience can actually get continuing education credits through the AIA.
0: So as an individual architect, you, you are able to get some traction. You can uh, Individual architects will come along, but uh, convincing the whole of it is because the, the board stonewalls any of this, so you can't get any uh, traction there.
1: Well, this is very embarrassing to them. Uh, the, the buildings, all, all large buildings, and certainly every high-rise in the world is funded by bankers who hire architects and the AIA represents those two and puts them together, they don't want to be in the position of having denied the controlled demolition and bought the official story and kind of hit both from their membership. Uh, so they would have to eat a lot of crow if we were to succeed.
0: And I suppose, then, for those architects who uh, might uh, obviously sign on to Architects and Engineers for nine eleven Truth or would perhaps be in danger of being blackballed from uh, doing projects?
1: That has been a concern which we've heard quite a bit. Um, and so I can only agree with you that, that uh, there, there is a concern there. Nevertheless, we, we have you know 2,900 architects and engineers signed on nevertheless.
0: I'm John Shack. This is Progressive Spirit Progressivespirit.net. I'm speaking with Richard Gage, AIA. He's the founding member of Architects and Engineers for 9/11 Truth. More to come. Stay with us. Progressive Spirit is produced every week. It couldn't happen without the financial support of my congregation, Southminster Presbyterian Church in Beaverton, Oregon. Southminster's website is www.southmin.org. Progressive Spirit is produced in the studios of KBOO in Portland, Oregon, for the Pacifica Radio Network and PRX, the Public Radio Exchange, as well as podcast. Show KBOO some love, won't you? KBOO.fm and click donate. amazing, incredible, pick your word, for the third time today. It's reminiscent of those pictures we've all seen too much on television before when a building was deliberately destroyed by well-placed dynamite to knock it down. I'm speaking with Richard Gage, AIA. He's the founding member of Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth. Let's go back to talk about the Twin Towers. What about the, What is the structure? How are these things built? Uh, would it be ever possible for, for planes to knock a building like that down?
1: Well, these buildings are huge. Each, each floor is the size of a football field. We're talking about 110 stories. We're talking about a building that's five times stronger than it needed to be to resist earthquakes and, and lateral other forces like hurricanes. We have the engineer himself, John Skilling, say it's designed to take a hit from two of the commercial aircraft and still be there with an acknowledgement that the fuel would dump into the building. This building has 47 massive core columns huddled around its elevator core. And then there are lighter weight steel trusses that span from that central core to the perimeter the perimeter is 14 inch steel tube box columns that march all the way around 230 of them that's the part that is a verandil truss uh, a, a laterally resisting uh, integrated perpendicular vertical and horizontal welded and bolted cage that resists the the earthquakes so what the official story says is that the fires caused uh, uh, sagging of the vulnerable trusses that spanned between the interior and exterior perimeter columns and because the fireproofing was scraped off by the pieces of airplane well I'm sure some of that happened uh, but this isn't uniformly all around the outside of the core of this building. But they say that th- this uh, sag, these sagging floor trusses pulled in the exterior columns, and then that caused the somehow all the way around the building those exterior columns to be pulled in, and that caused the upper part to uh, crush. Then that injured fire-induced impact area and then that drove the building all the way down to the ground this lightest part of the structure by the way on the top and then destroy itself well we know from physics that the the lightest weakest part of a building can't destroy the heavier intact cold hard structural steel below it it, it makes no sense the, the physics of it and that's what we demonstrate in our Uh, DVD documentary through a a number of experiments, such as you run a Mack truck into a Volkswagen, who's going to win, right? It doesn't matter if you tilt them up and you drop the Volkswagen onto the Mack truck. Uh, The lightest part of a structure cannot possibly destroy the heavier intact. There'd be an equal and opposite destructive force where then the the system would come to a rest. And, And yet that's not what happens. Well, what actually does happen is the upper part is destroyed in the first four seconds. The, in the case of the North Tower, the upper 15 stories are completely destroyed from within. You can see it just telescoping in on itself. Uh, there's no movement from the point of jet plane impacts down. After that, then w- witnesses, hundreds of them, hear incredible sounds of explosions at the onset of the destruction, And then you have these freely flying structural steel sections weighing four and eight tons laterally out of the towers at 60 to 80 miles an hour. These are actually clocked by physicists landing up to 600 feet in every direction so that we have the complete distribution across the entire World Trade Center site of all of these heavy structural steel sections. And then the concrete is pulverized, not when it hits the ground, but in midair. The complete pulverization of every floor of, of, of this 110-floor skyscraper, they're not stacked up in pancakes and mangled at the bottom. You can hardly find any concrete at the bottom. So what pulverized all this concrete? What's the force that drove the steel laterally? So those elements are not available to collapse the building. You know, that's uh, 300,000 tons, 200,000 tons of the building. That's most of the weight of the building right there. It's gone. It's, what you see is explosions traveling down the each, all faces of the buildings, hundreds of them, all the way down to the ground. Some of these explosions occur 20, 40, 60 stories down below. And yeah. so what you have is a two- or three-story pile at the bottom of each of these towers, not 110 stories worth of building debris.
0: Yeah, and uh, the, the, World, the World Trade Center Towers 1 and 2 uh, was a different demolition than the World Trade Center 7, wasn't it? These, uh, the World Trade Center Towers uh, came down like floor by floor uh, with the explosions and kind of covered over by that big yeah. cloud.
1: Yes, the explosions are very visible on the outside of the building in the towers, uh, traveling ten floors per second down the face of the of the building. Whereas building seven, we don't see uh, most of the explosions there below the the, the horizon of buildings that obscure it. Uh, but you just see it go down straight like a typical controlled demolition into its own footprint. But the the towers are a very explosive event. Um, and creating uh, massive heat clouds, uh, pyroclastic-like clouds with incredible heat in them. Where's all this heat coming from? The fires were virtually out at the time of the collapse, indicated by the thick, dark black smoke and uh, the the lack of flames at the time of the collapse. Um, So there's some, uh, but they're severe, quite diminished. So we have um, these... These heat clouds in these cauliflower-shaped forms are racing in every direction away from the towers and Building Seven. In Building Seven, you couldn't even see any fires at the time of the collapse; they were virtually out as well. And yet, they're expanding in these cauliflower-shaped forms. Well, this is what uh, the National Fire Protection Association guide for fire and explosion investigation. This is one of the several indicators of incendiaries uh, with this incredible heat. And they say, look for these clouds, look for the results of of massive heat. They also say, by the way, look for the shattering of the structural steel. Well, that's what we have in the Twin Towers. The complete structural steel framing system is shattered into its individual components uh, almost completely uh, and scattered uh, 1,400-foot diameter around the outside, mostly, of each of these towers.
0: You know, I've seen World Trade Center seven types of demolitions. You see those often. Dan Rather on the news when it happened said it looks like uh, other controlled demolitions that we've seen, but not necessarily one and two. I've never seen anything like that. Has there ever been a like a top-down controlled demolition like, like uh, from any other building that would ever be done on purpose that we know of?
1: Yeah, we do show um, one of those uh, in our Continuing education course, a top down controlled demolition. They use the kinetic energy of the first floor to destroy subsequent floors after the columns have been removed from a few of the upper floors and it can gain downward momentum. Now it won't fall at free fall in that case, uh, it'll decelerate, but there's still enough kinetic energy to help with the dismantling of the vertical structural elements below. that's important. In the case of the Twin Towers, though, it did not decelerate. It accelerated almost freefall uh, straight down through the path of what should have been the greatest resistance. So as if it weren't even there, the, the destruction zone proceeds at near freefall acceleration.
0: The architects and engineers for 9-11 Truth helped to fund uh, Leroy Holsey at the L- University of Alaska and his uh, computerized model. Can you explain a little bit what uh, what he is doing and, ha- and has been doing regarding Building 7?
1: Yes, uh, we've contracted with the University of Alaska. This is one of the top forensic structural engineers in the country to engage in a finite element analysis of Building 7, computerized study that is what NIST was uh, contracted to do by the Congress but failed miserably. Uh, We have a $300,000 effort underway led by him, and uh, this is a two-year project, and it comes out in January. We have uh, preliminary results already that suggest that Uh, this building, they state emphatically, actually, that this building could not have come down by fire alone. Uh, And he's going to be looking at uh, what the mechanism is that could allow a building like building seven to collapse in seven seconds, as we've observed on the video. So we're very excited to have that study come out in, January would believe it will turn upside down the engineering and architecture communities and will be uh, going from university to university to uh, educate the engineers uh, who are, for the most part, as I mentioned, completely unaware that there was a 47-story building. But they don't want to hear conspiracy theories.
0: yeah, let's you talk know, about it, that. It, talk it, about conspiracy, talk about that. What that's got it just it feels like beating uh, our heads against the wall sometimes. Um when people will just automatically go it's all a conspiracy theory and go off on on side channels on that. Can you talk about that experience that you've had in you, you've got the science down but dealing with the with the psychology of it, I guess.
1: We don't want to believe that there could have been a controlled demolition. Because it implies that we've been lied to on a massive scale, that we cannot trust our government, that we cannot trust the media. Most people who are confronted with this information have to put it into a box, therefore, and that box is called conspiracy theory. When we're not even talking about theories uh, of conspiracy at all. We're talking about the physics of a building. We're talking about indisputable, irrefutable evidence that clearly shows that these were controlled demolitions. So for people who can't face the implications of that, that implies we're not living in the world that we thought we were. It is psychologically damaging to us. It shifts our worldview too much for those of us who are all not already aware of so many of these untruths that we've been told about the events in our history, and so people have to be dripped on over time with, uh, I think, a solid scientific forensic evidence like what we're showing uh, until they eventually hear it three or four times and and they start to listen. It was very hard for me because when I heard this radio interview, I hadn't heard it three or four times already. That was the first. But it was being presented by a very scholarly and elderly gentleman in, in a way that didn't reek of conspiracy theory or, you know, nine eleven was an inside job, terms like this that turn uh, a lot of people off. And that's why I formed... Uh, architects and engineers for nine eleven truth because we do have the credibility of twenty five thousand years of technical and building professional experience altogether, and we do stick to the the actual evidence. But we're not naive. We understand what this does to people when they hear it, and. Some people aren't going to be able to accept it, and and that's okay. Uh, but that doesn't mean we're going to stop trying to wake up the world to what really happened on
0: 9-11. Your story itself, with actually hearing someone uh, who, who made sense to you, it happens, I mean, there's a, there's a point, isn't there, um, in which there's kind of a, a momentum finally builds. You know, when you get people in some kind of a, a an influential position uh, who who are opening up this evidence, it it creates, as you said, drips. It creates opportunities for people to, uh, oh, okay, this person is now saying this. Maybe maybe I better look at this a little bit more. Which, of course, gives you the impetus to go out and and continue to uh, work and educate people because you may not need to educate everyone. It's just kind of a reach a tipping point at some point. Is is that? Would you say that that's possible? Yeah,
1: uh, it's criti- it's critical mass. I mean, the nine eleven truth movement is growing by millions uh, every year. It's a slow growth. Uh, you know, there's three hundred million people in our in our country alone, and it takes root and works in, in subconscious levels. I mean, I'm not in control of how long this takes. It's been sixteen years. I never thought it would take so long. We've had so many. Projects that have been aimed at reaching the people w- with transit, uh, advertising, and bus and rail. Uh, for instance, trying to reach mass quantities with all the radio and TV interviews that we've done. We have reached tens of millions of people. Uh, we now have the Bobby McIlvain Act, which is an act that we took to Congress And our supporters are continuing to take the congressional members, trying to find one uh, awake, uh, conscientious, patriotic congressperson who will introduce this act into legislation, which calls for a new investigation of all three World Trade Center skyscraper disasters, the destruction of them. So... Uh, That is uh, underway. That's our our latest big effort. Uh, Bobby McElveen was killed in the World Trade Center. His father, Bob, is spearheading this uh, effort to get a real investigation at the the congressional level. And it's meeting lots of resistance. Also, Uh, the congresspersons take risks by signing on to this. and There's not the public outcry for justice on this issue like we thought there would be by this time. And maybe that's going to take, you know, more time. And fortunately, we are supported by uh, thousands of, of people who feel the same way. So we're just going to keep at it.
0: So in addition to the Bobby McIlvain Act that uh, you're hoping at least one congressperson catches on to, what else are architects and engineers in 9-11 Truth uh, doing now, and how might people uh, be involved? We're educating
1: the professionals, and we we have volunteers that help us reach them, bring our courses, which are approved by the AIA, uh, to them. Uh, We have activists out in the street in every metropolitan area, large metropolitan area in in the country, and many, many hundreds of smaller ones. Uh, On the 11th of every month, for instance, people are handing out uh, our brochures, our DVDs, trying to uh, uh, talk to whoever uh, they can. They bring us to, the, to their cities to do presentations, um, 600 now, and, and we reach people uh, on the radio. So there's, there's many different types of things. I encourage people to email the link to ae911truth.org to every architect and engineer that they can find and everybody else that they know. Uh, you can do it all by email and Facebook and Twitter.
0: Richard Gage, AIA, uh, has been my guest on Progressive Spirit. He is the uh, founder and organizer of Architects and Engineers for 9-11 Truth. Thank you so much for your work, and thanks for being with me today.
1: Thank you, John. It's really, really a pleasure. And thank you for speaking out and taking the risks that we all take when, when we speak the truth and an, an unpopular truth uh, in in uh, especially on um, the, the Pacifica radio network. This is a very important network of progressives to, to wake up.
0: Yeah, I wanted to ask you about that, too. Alternative media has, has, has yet to really embrace this.
1: Well, yes, there, there's uh, depends how you define alternative, but certainly yeah. uh, on the progressive and, and, and the, the, the left and the right, seem to have, uh, as as they define themselves, uh, seem to have difficulty uh, taking on these subjects in large measure. Um, It is people who more dedicate themselves to the truth, whether it's a left or a right issue. Is it the truth, or is it not the truth? Let's not stand on dogma. Let's not stand on a platform that um, as a, as a set of beliefs uh, with a larger groups of people that adhere to those beliefs, let's ask ourselves the question, what is true and what is not true? And let's go with the results of that wherever it may lead us.
0: Progressive Spirit is heard every week. On Progressive Spirit, you hear interviews with cutting-edge scholars, authors, and activists who have something to say about social issues, human flourishing, and things that matter. Progressive Spirit is formatted for radio and is distributed every week through the Pacifica Radio Network and PRX, the public radio exchange. On Progressive Spirit, you hear information that the mainstream media either will not or cannot broadcast. You should thank the following stations... For being beacons of free speech by carrying progressive spirit every week. WETS, Johnson City, Tennessee. WEHC, Emory, Virginia. WPVM, Asheville, North Carolina. Kutztown, University Radio, Kutztown, Pennsylvania. KCEI, Taos, New Mexico. KACR, Alameda, California. WDRT, Baroqua, Wisconsin. KSOW, Cottage Grove, Oregon. And KZ88, Kabul, Missouri. The website again, progressivespirit.net. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Progressive Spirit is produced in the studios of KBOO in Portland, Oregon. I'm John Schock. Be well.